Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, and I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Good evening, good morning to you. If you are joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. Also, you please feel free to visit any of our five uh, social media streaming platforms, which include YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. If you're on YouTube right now, that's great. Please go ahead and hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast if you enjoy it. And if you're not subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe. Want to welcome some of you. First of all, we have our moderators, Khaleesi, Singer Chick, Saz is moderating. We have Marie, who is moderating on the Instagram side. Dan Hilton on Instagram says it's 2.38 in the morning. Ah, you're across the pond over there. Uh want to welcome also, let's see, Philip is with us on YouTube. CC Wheezy is joining us. Jason is with us uh, on the Facebook side. Philip Thompson, Colette, welcome to all you guys. Lindsay, uh, CMC has just joined us on uh, Instagram. Elsa has also joined us. I hope you guys got to watch our interview yesterday with um, the star of the movie Followed, Matthew Solomon. Another great interview. Uh, and we have a surprise. A week from today, we are going to have Matthew's co-star from the movie Followed, and that is Sam Valentine. She is going to be joining us a week from today on Dead Talk Live to give us her perspective on the show, on the movie. Sorry, I apologize for that. And it's going to be great. I love hearing... It's amazing. Two different people from the same show, same movie, doesn't matter. Everybody has their own unique perspective on how things went down. You can't get the whole story from just talking to one person. As you know, we have had a ton of guests uh, from The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, World Beyond, all three shows. And everyone has offered us their own unique perspective into their experience on the set, on the show, and it's uh, it's amazing. It's uh, I love hearing everybody's take on it. Want to welcome Zofia uh, with us on in YouTube. Uh, Carl Grimes. So Zofia Carl Grimes is the user who really loves to change their username a lot. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, it's good that you let us know that who you really are. So welcome to who is today, Zofia, on YouTube. Lindsay on Facebook says, I really wanted to watch last night, but I had a long day yesterday and I fell asleep early. That's not a problem, Lindsay. That is what the uh, replay function is for. All of our live streams are available to rewatch anytime after the live part is over. So, with that said, let's get on to some news that's been going on. Not really that much in the way of uh, exciting stuff, but as always, writers will always find something to write about. So, it looks like they have started filming season 11 of The Walking Dead. Not a big surprise there. They finished, obviously, the six episodes that are starting very shortly in a couple of weeks. And uh, while they're all there, they're going to keep them there. Because we're living in a world where, 
who knows what can pop up at any moment. And if everybody's gathered up on the set, ready to go, I see no reason for them to go straight into season 11. And I think that's what they're doing with Fear as well. Fear wrapped up season six probably a couple of weeks ago. And I read an article on here last week that uh, from Austin, Texas, that they're closing down some major highways and roads for fear. And uh, we have had, you know, guests from fear, uh, particularly Dakota from fear. We've had Charlie from fear. Uh, We've had Rabbi Jacob from fear. And that was a couple months ago. And they said they were getting close to wrapping up season six. So I doubt they are still shooting the last couple of episodes of season six. They should be well done with season six. But based on that article that I read last week and the fact that they're still filming leads me to believe that they have gone straight into shooting season seven. And I'm sure this is not just exclusive to the Walking Dead universe. I'm sure TV shows that you know, resumed filming after, not after, we're still in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Uh, It's not any better. Uh, But since they've got everybody gathered up and they're filming with new precautions in place, they're keeping everybody on the set because nobody knows, uh, nothing is predictable in these days and times. So if everybody's there gathered up, all the equipment, the crew, the actors are there, They're going to keep going uh, because they don't want to fall into the unexpectedness of what happened last year at this time, where when it came time for shows to start resuming after the holidays, they had nothing to offer. (laughs) We got nothing but reruns a year ago, so they don't want that to repeat again in 2021. And with new precautions in place, they are keeping everybody on the set, and they are just going to continue shooting. Uh, Singer Chick writes, I I think so too. It's about the only way they're going to have a shot at trying to get their filming on schedule. And Lord knows, I mean, we can all safely assume that The Walking Dead Season 11 is going to pick up uh, sometime in October. What does that mean for World Beyond? When is season two for that going to begin? I know they are filming that right now as well. Uh, When is that going to hit the screen? Uh, When is fear going to hit the screen? Now, we all know from the past, fear seasons, you know, the seasons for Fear the Walking Dead from years past would always hit AMC uh, sometime in the early summer. Obviously, we still have a whole second half of season six of Fear the Walking Dead to see that is going to resume on April 11th and will probably end in the early part of June. So we're not going to get season seven premiering this summer. So the big question out of all three of those shows is, When is season seven of Fear the Walking Dead uh, going to air? Are they going to air it simultaneously with The Walking Dead? I don't like that idea. I really don't. I like having them spaced apart so we as fans and viewers 
have at least a Walking Dead show to watch, no matter what time of the year it is. I would not be a big fan if they were going to release Season 7 of Fear the Walking Dead right alongside Season 11 of the mother show, The Walking Dead. That's just my opinion. I like to have them spaced out. So anyway, uh, it has started filming. The end is uh, nigh for one of the biggest TV franchises in history. Writer and producer Kevin Dialt took to Twitter to reveal that production is now underway on the final season of The Walking Dead. Please bear in mind, the final season of The Walking Dead is going to span two years. Over a decade after the graphic novel adaptation first aired on AMC, The Walking Dead Season 11 will wrap up the series in epic style as it is poised to consist of 24 episodes spread across two years. We'll be living through the airing of its final season in 2021 and 2022. While 2022 will mark the end of The Walking Dead as we know it, AMC has already greenlit greenlit a spinoff series focusing on Daryl and Carol, so the story will continue beyond the finale. The Walking Dead has had a long and eventful road to this endpoint. The series premiered in AMC back in 10. Okay, now they're going to go into the history. We know all this. Uh, At that point, The Walking Dead was a ratings juggernaut, and AMC wanted to keep a short leash on the horror franchise. Scott M. Gimple took over for Mazzara at the start of Season 4, and he has been steering the ship ever since. Well, he took over as the showrunner in Season 4 for The Walking Dead, and he he held on to that till the end of season eight in season nine we have current showrunner which is angela kang uh so he has been steering the ship scott gimple right now is the big man in the walking dead he is the chief content officer so he is the one that oversees anything that has the walking dead name to it on amc uh so let's see Chief Content Officer of the franchise in 2018 and is handling the day-to-day show running reigns and is handed the reins over to Angela Kang, which I just said. Throughout this time, The Walking Dead rose to become the highest rated show on all of television and then had a pretty spectacular fall as fans and critics grew tired of its monotonous plotting and constant teasing of story points that have failed to satisfy. Ouch. Its ratings freefall coincided with the decline of ratings across the board on all terrestrial television. What the hell is terrestrial television? Though, and licensing deals have maintained the show's value for AMC from a profit standpoint. Additionally, the Walking Dead franchise has expanded... The first spin-off series, Fear, is still airing, now in its seventh season. That is absolutely incorrect. The person who wrote this should fact-check it. They are in the middle of their sixth season, not the seventh. Uh, 
and AMC recently launched the first two seasons of a limited series called World Beyond. Then there are also the feature films focusing on the continued story of Rick Grimes following Andrew Lincoln's exit from the series, which Gimple is, of course, also spearheading. Scott Gimple must be a very, very busy man. Although we haven't had an update on those in a while. Ain't that the truth? Let's see what you guys are saying. Uh, Justin writes, uh, let's see, Singer Chick says, Oh gosh, the sound of the term, the final season, just breaks my heart. Uh, Justin also agrees. Uh, CC Weezy writes, Yep, it's Round Rock, Texas, where the stadium scenes were filmed and where Madison was last seen. So could that be a sign of maybe bringing Madison back in the fold? Yeah, we've discussed that. We we just have to wait and see. All of this to say, while The Walking Dead Season 11 will be the flagship series' last run of new episodes, the franchise remains well undead. The first six episodes of Seasons 10... Again, that's incorrect. It's the continuation, I guess, of season 10, which will air on February 28th, the bonus episodes. And here you see the uh, Twitter post. Kudos to our crew and cast, ass kickers, the lot of them, on the long-awaited start of filming for season 11, a full effed up year in the works. We truly hope it's worth the wait. And that's a little sketch. I don't know if he did that or not. It's pretty cool. And it says, first day of filming season 11. So there you guys have it. They are filming season 11. Hopefully, we will get some details soon on when they are planning on airing season 11 of The Walking Dead. So let's see what else we've got. This is an interesting movie that I've read about and is being released called The Devil Below. It's coming out on March 5th, and they released a trailer. Fans of subterranean creature horror in the vein of The Descent and The Tunnel would definitely want to check out The Devil Below when it arrives at select theaters and video-on-demand platforms starting March 5th. Check out the trailer and read more about the movie below. So let's go ahead and check out this trailer and uh, let's see what they have to say. Hey, Dad. Go get your tools. I'll meet you in the truck. Eric? For directions to Shokum Hills? You never heard of it. What are you expecting to find here? Even with a great fire, people don't just disappear. Something else happened. What are you doing here? <laughs> we shouldn't be here. I want them gone. Why do you need private security for a scientific expedition? Well, to keep us safe. Safe from what? Wait, hold on one second. Hearing something down there. How is that? 
that? Turn it up. Listen to this. What is that? This doesn't feel right. No, 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 no. Terry! Terry! Did you hear that? What was that thing? How long has this been open? We do security and protection work. What is it you protect? You. They took my son, and I've been fighting him ever since. Shh. Listen. What is that? I hear something. <laughs> Holy. Oh. This isn't good. No matter what you do, don't let him grab you. Get me out of here! Jimmy, get down! Go, go! I got you. Devil Below. It looks good, right? It looks good. Uh, I'm a big fan of that actor whose name is escaping me right now. He was in Halloween 2018. God, he's been in so many movies. He was in Armageddon way back in the 90s with Bruce Willis. He has done a ton of stuff, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, but I like him. He's just one of those actors that when he gets on the screen, just captivates you. So the synopsis of The Devil Below is this. There is an abandoned place nestled deep in Appalachian country where underground coal mines have been ablaze for decades. And it, there we go again. Appalachian coal mines. It has to be somewhere in West Virginia. And I mentioned to you guys last week how West Virginia is like the ideal place where these kind of hairy, uh, scary woods, un in this case, underground caves, uh, monster movies like to be filmed. Blair Witch Project, technically that's over, over the West Virginia border into Maryland, but very, very close. And Lindsay, thank you. The name, the name is Will Patton. That's the actor's name. He's awesome. He's amazing. So, again, a movie that is uh, taking place, supposedly, in the very mysterious state where filmmakers love to portray, and that is the great state of West Virginia. When a team of researchers try to find out how the fire started, they soon discover something more startling than the mystery that sent them there they are not alone the devil below is directed by bradley parker from a screenplay penned by eric sherbarth and stefan jaurowski the film stars alicia sans don canto zach avery shianza ouch uh, jesse la tourette with jonathan sadowski and of course will Patton. There's the poster for the movie. Looks interesting if you guys want to see it. It is available on video on demand for either rent or buying. I'm assuming all video on demand platforms. There's a movie to look forward to. Next on the list, this is kind of funny. 10 horror movies that would have made better TV shows. Right? Why not? Normally you hear this reverse. 10 TV shows that would have made better horror movies, but let's see what they have to say. Ah, every time a television adaptation of a famous movie is announced, you can feel the world collectively <laughs> groan. Some films are so beloved, we don't want to see them remade, especially in a different medium. Let's take a classic movie, The Godfather. 
Okay? Luckily, no one has attempted to reboot or remake The Godfather. It would fail. It would utterly be a disaster if someone tried to remake a classic movie, uh, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, doesn't matter. You would take something and destroy it. Even though it could be the best reboot of a movie ever made, it would just never work. Welcome to Hard Productions. Welcome, Ethan, who has joined us. So, so let's see. Uh, some films are so beloved, especially when they're done uh, in a reboot, in a different medium. It doesn't work. If a story worked perfectly as a movie, why turn it into a series? However, there is one genre that is arguably better suited to television than film. Horror. Wow. That's a pretty bold statement right there. Personally, I think the horror genre works great on television and film. But this person thinks that the horror genre is better suited for television. A scary story relies on building up tension and climaxing with a terrifying payoff. We as an audience need to get to know the characters so we care when they are in mortal danger. Doing this effectively is difficult in a horror movie because the entire story has to be crammed into 90 minutes. By using an episodic approach, the story can make its time, take its time. A horror flick may have a great premise but fail because it doesn't have the opportunity to set up storylines and characters. Movies like The Exorcist, Psycho, Silence of the Lambs are considered so flawless it feels impossible to improve them. And yet their television adaptations work perfectly since the viewer is given far more time to digest what's going on. And now is a good point to remind you guys that on Thursday we are getting the premiere of Clarice. Uh, that's the story of Clarice Starling a year after the whole Silence of the Lambs issue went down with Hannibal Lecter. Michael Cudlitz is going to be starring in it. Rebecca Breeds is going to be playing the part of Clarice. I'm looking very much forward to that. In fact, Friday, we are going to be breaking down the premiere of Clarice. So I'm very excited about that. That is this coming Thursday on CBS. Now that movie fans are starting to see the appeal to TV adaptations, here are 10 horror movies that could work better on the small screen. So, just quickly, the examples he used, The Exorcist. That was done for TV, and it was a, it was a direct relationship to the movie. They brought back the character of Reagan for the TV uh, uh, adaptation. I liked it. It did not go beyond two seasons. It just did not garner the viewership. Psycho, The Bates Motel. Great series. That did a lot better. It lasted a total of four seasons. And it wasn't canceled. They just got through the whole story. And if you guys have not watched uh, The Bates Motel and are interested in a backstory to Norman Bates and his mom... 
while she was still alive, uh, go ahead and watch the Bates Motel. Now, Silence of the Lambs has had Hannibal, another show that lasted three seasons, ultimately canceled partly because of viewership and partly because of they could not get the rights to the Clarice Darling story to continue with the season four. Obviously, the new show Clarice did not have that problem. So he did not really pick the best examples to try to prove his point. Uh, Lindsay Sparks corrects me. There were five seasons of the Bates Motel. That's why I love having you here, Lindsay and Cece. I love when I make a mistake to be corrected. Five seasons of the Bates Motel, and each season was awesome. That was a dark show, and it was awesomely done. So let's see what they have. Scanners. Oh, boy. You know what? <laughs> Scanners is one of those movies I do not see being a success as a television show. It's from David Cronenberg. Uh, literal mind-blowing, and they do mean literal mind-blowing. Classic centers around a group of people called Scanners who have developed telekinetic and telepathic powers. One scanner, Vale, is hired by a military company to eliminate a psychic called Revok, who intends to use his power to rule the world. I don't know. I've never imagined that as a TV show. Number nine, Jeepers Creepers, revolves around an ancient man-eating demon called the Creeper. Every 23rd spring, the fedora-sporting creature awakens to gorge on humanity 23 days before going back into hibernation. Sort of like the demon in Eat, uh, Eat It. Whether it's a demon or an alien in It, that's pretty much left up to interpretation. Let's see, number eight, Hellraiser. Wow. Uh, due to Hellraiser's creative gore and distinctive gothic style, it became a monster hit. Even though the central antagonist, Pinhead, barely appears throughout the movies, he became the face of the franchise thanks to Doug Bradley's magnetic performance as the sadomasochistic entity. And Doug Bradley is an amazing actor. I got, I've had the pleasure of meeting Doug Bradley on several occasions at horror conventions. And uh, once they stopped making Hellraiser movies with Doug Bradley as Pinhead, it was just definitely not the same. But I, I would like to know what Clive Barker, who wrote the Hellraiser books and even the movie, what he would have to say about his classic... Uh, being redone on television. Something tells me that he would not really like that idea too much. Number seven. <laughs> they Live. Okay, number seven is They Live. Okay, that's the Roddy Piper movie. Uh, one of those under-the-radar type of movies that really developed a, a, a really good cult following. It's a John Carpenter flick. I could see this as a TV show. Uh, I never thought of it in that way. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see this being drawn out. 
it's a it's a it's a good movie. I didn't want to use the word great. It's, it's a pretty good movie. Number six on the list is Cube. I have not seen this in uh, Vincenzo's Natali sci-fi thriller Cube. Six people wake up in a colossal labyrinth. This over-elaborate maze is composed of thousands of rooms, many of which are booby-trapped. One room leads to the exit. Sounds very familiar. Sounds like one of the Jigsaw movies. Because the entire film takes place in the cube, we don't learn much about how it was built or by whom. We never learn what happens to anyone who has escaped from it, so they want those questions answered in a TV show. All right, haven't seen it, can't really speak about it. Number five, Bird Box. All right, in Bird Box, the world is invaded by interdimensional creatures who drive people to suicidal insanity. Because the madness is spread by making eye contact with these beings, most people survive by wearing blindfolds or obscuring their vision in some way. When the sci-fi thriller landed on Netflix, it became the most popular original film on the streaming platform. Despite its popularity, it received mixed reviews implying viewers were more interested by the premise than the delivery. Uh, Lindsay Sparks, right, had nightmares about Cubed. Khaleesi loved Bird Box. Bird Box was great. Uh, Cece Weesey also writes, Bird Box was a damn good movie, in my opinion. My opinion as well. Let's see. Number four. Let's see what's number four on the list. The Girl with All the Gifts. The Girl with All the Gifts. This is another movie I haven't seen. Uh, the world has been plagued by a parasitic disease that turned the infected into super speedy zombies called Hungries. Alright, this is a zombie flick. I haven't seen it. What makes the story very different from other zombie movies is that the Hungries can think and speak. In fact, they act perfectly normal until they smell or taste any bodily fluid like sweat or blood. When that happens, the Hungries revert to ravenous creatures who will stop at nothing to devour human flesh. This premise forces the viewer to sympathize with the Hungries, despite the fact that they are cannibals. You emphasize with their plight even more since most Hungries are children. Now, this sounds interesting. I can't believe I haven't seen this. All right, number three on the list is Vacancy. Vacancy follows a struggling couple who are forced to stay at a motel after their car breaks down in the middle of nowhere. After looking at a videotape in their bedroom, they learn the owners of the establishment are recording the guests being murdered so they can sell the footage on a snuff film website. Even though Vacancy's premise is intriguing, the film is a bit rushed. When a runtime of only 85 minutes, the plot escalates too quickly. If we got to know the characters better, we would care for them when they are put in mortal danger. All right. Number two, I Am Legend. Uh, I mean, 
you know, having a TV series of I Am Legend, I would not mind that one bit. I, I think that would be cool. Post-apocalyptic stories have never been more popular. The Maze Runner, The Hunger Games, The Walking Dead. Uh, the Hunger Games. How many of you guys have ever thought of The Hunger Games as a post-apocalyptic movie? I, I, I haven't. Uh, anyway, The Walking Dead, Mad Max, Fury Road, and The Matrix are just a small sample of successful franchises revolving around a less-than-stellar future for humanity. Uh, just saying, seeing what the people on Instagram are saying. Basil says that's a good movie. Uh, also saying yes. Uh, Basil also writes, I am... Uh, says more I am legend stuff. Uh, Basil's a big legend. I am legend fan. Uh, Nerdiest Geek writes, I haven't before, but it fits. Let's see. Uh, considering this sub subgenre is trending like crazy, it's bewildering no one has made a TV series of I am legend. Richard Matheson's novel of the same name help popularize zombies and vampire literature as well as the post-apocalyptic concept. You know, and you can make an argument for the creatures in I Am Legend. Are they zombies? I personally say no, they're not. They're not zombies, or at least the way we as fans have come to accept what a zombie is or isn't. They can be cured. Zombies cannot be cured because they're dead. Okay? The creatures in I Am Legend, it actually, the whole movie revolves around Will Smith's character, who is a doctor trying to find a cure for what's who, what demolished 99% of humanity and turned them into these night creatures. So I never thought of them as zombies. So let's see what's number one on this list. Interview with a vampire. Now this is this is being flipped to TV. Uh, AMC is coming out with Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles. That has been confirmed like almost a year ago. Uh, and uh, Interview with a Vampire, if I'm not mistaken is part of Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles. Vampire Lestat, he's the big famous one. Right there you can see in the picture, in the 1990s movie adaptation of Interview with a Vampire, it was played by Tom Cruise. Brad Pitt played the part of Louis. So this is being done on TV. Uh, beyond them announcing that AMC has picked up, Interview with, uh, sorry, Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles, as well as the Mayfair Witches. I have not heard a single word since. Uh, have they casted it? Are they filming it? Is it on the shelf? I have no idea. Interview with a Vampire wasn't just a great adaptation of Anne Rice's novel. This macabre and melancholic horror fest is directly responsible for reigniting the vampire subgenre during the 90s. 
Before that, vamp vampire films were as dead as vampires. So if the film is so influential, why convert it to television? One word, Lestat. Lestat is a fascinating character that Anne Rice thought of. Even though the film is well-directed and the performances are fantastic, I'm trying to be a little funny there, the French noble-turned-vampiric anti-hero Lestat de Leoncourt is unmistakably the story's standout. The character is so enigmatically captivating, he insistently became the face he instantly became the face of Rice's entire Vampire Chronicles saga. Considering the acclaimed author has been writing about Lestat for over 40 years, a television series feels like a better vehicle to explore the character than a two-hour movie. By incorporating elements from the 13 books that he appears in, we can look at Lestat's youth, his transformation into a vampire, his rise to power, his job offer from the devil, and his attempt to reclaim his humanity. Although the TV series should probably ignore the part where Lestat joins a rock band and visits Atlantis. Uh, and it's happening. So whoever wrote this, his number one pick of a movie that should be made into a television series, Interview with a Vampire, is it, it's going to become a reality unless AMC has changed its mind. So I hope they haven't, and I hope they picked it up. Welcome to Janie Joe from Canada on Instagram. Welcome, Janie. It's good to have you on the show. Uh, Jay Wallow writes, They're berserkos. Uh, so, anyway, let me look at the time. Damn, we're 38 minutes into this already? Damn. We have another article here. Rishon and, uh, I don't know why they, they do this text. There we go. The Walking Dead, Rishon, the Apocalypse Power Couple. What do you guys think about that, huh? I know, I know Summer is not with us tonight, but she would definitely agree with Rishon being the power couple apocalypse or not but uh fans of the walking dead or any series for that matter always have many ships which fans will stand by the walking dead is no exception to this everyone has a favorite ship or couple whether they want to admit it or not since it's valentine's week we will look at some great ships and I'm assuming when they say the word ships, they are abbreviating relationships and couples in the Walking Dead fandom. Throughout his time on the series, Rick was a force to reckon. He was a leader, a fighter, and could also be compassionate when needed. He started the series married to Lori. Lori wasn't a character many viewers were fond of. She was whiny and manipulating and got under people's skin with the way she treated people. Michonne came to the scene with a chip on her shoulder and a katana to warn you of what she is capable of doing. Great with the katana, but I'm going to mention it again. Michonne cannot shoot her way out of a wet paper bag. She did things her way and didn't care what others thought. She has always been on a powerhouse on this series. 
bringing these two characters together and you've got a power couple for the apocalypse. And I don't think anybody here can argue with that, okay? Raising the points that Jay just raised as far as Rick, Rick Grimes' traits, Michonne's traits, they are a power couple. A better power couple than the way it played out in the comic books with uh, Rick Grimes and Andrea. Even though, to give the character of Andrea credit, the comic book Andrea was a lot different than the TV Andrea that we only got to see for three seasons. They just never seemed to really know on the TV show which way they wanted to go with Andrea. Uh, it was obvious from the very beginning of The Walking Dead, they obviously wanted to portray Andrea differently than the comic books. She was just a character that they picked that they wanted to do something different with. Finally, by the time season three came around, they just decided to kill the character off. And of course, being Laurie Holden, who signed an eight-year contract to play the character of Andrea, finding out that they're going to kill you after only three seasons, it's not Laurie Holden's fault. Laurie Holden is an amazing actress, and she did the best with the material that was given to her. I lay, I lay that on the writers, and they were all over the place with Andrea. And because they were all over the place with Andrea, she never became popular with the fans. Never. The first time Rick saw Michonne, she was outside the prison fence, bleeding, covered in walker guts, and holding a crate of baby formula. And if you listen to our viewer, Summer, who's also part of our team's point, on that particular moment, she saw love in the air. When Rick saw Michonne, Rick being on the inside of the prison fence, Michonne on the outside, surrounded by walkers. Summer saw sparks flying, and I really gave her point a shot. I have rewatched that scene over and over again. And Summer, I don't know if you're going to watch this or not, but I don't see it. I see a woman who is surrounded by the dead, holding baby formula, terrified. And I see Rick looking from the other side of that fence, saying, who the hell is this? Not exactly love at first sight. Even they agree with me. There you go. Not exactly love at first sight. She had obtained these supplies when Merle captured Glenn and Maggie. I'm actually kind of glad that Summer is not watching, or else she'd be calling me right now. During the episode clear, Rick and Michonne bond over a brief discussion that created mutual respect that eventually grew into more. Uh, Lisa on Facebook writes he was going to cut, cut her loose. He was. Decider reports that in 2016, Robert Kirkman stated that Scott Gipple had been writing towards Michonne since that episode in season three. Wow. So that was a that was in the making for a while and I'll be honest I did not see that coming when they first kissed when they were on the couch the episode where we got to meet Jesus for the first time and uh, you know Rick came back they had Jesus Jesus locked up in the cell 
Rick and Michonne are sitting on the couch and they kiss. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I did not see that coming. Lindsay Sparks writes, I got to agree with you, Viz. Not love at first sight, but still love them as a couple. I do too. I think they're great together. And uh, Michonne ended up being what Andrea was in the comics. Uh, Singer Chick writes, LOL, you know that's right, Viz. She'll probably still call you after the playback. I'm hoping she doesn't watch this. Uh, let's see what's going on. Uh, Jay Wallow on Instagram writes, Carol and King Ezekiel are the power couple. All right, you can make an argument for that. Uh, Carol is most definitely a badass. Ezekiel, not a badass like Carol is, but he can definitely take care of himself. Nerdiest Geek on Instagram writes, way differently, I didn't like uh the character of andrea in the show well you're not alone on that one welcome to aravinth who is waving at us on instagram as well so let me check on the time uh just one more let's see where we were uh let's see rick and michonne also shared time after the fall of the prison they bonded and one of the big reasons they bonded is because of the bond that was created between Michonne and Carl. Uh, Those two bonded way before Rick and Michonne ever bonded, and Rick noticed that, and I think it was one of the leading factors to what led to them becoming uh, a couple. Singer Chick writes on YouTube, I like fell off my chair when they kissed. I I was stunned. Uh... Saz writes, the queen needs her king. (laughs) All right. So the topic for today in the remaining time that we have left is Ouija boards. Now, how many of you out there, in all seriousness, have either played with or currently still have used a spirit board? The Ouija board, that's that's the brand name of a game. Okay. It's actually a spirit board. The Ouija board is the name of the game that a lot of people call it Ouija boards and so on. Uh, People in the paranormal research, the investigation industry, whatever you want to call it, they call it spirit boards. Colette, Colette, are you still active with spirit boards or is it something that you did in the past? Come on, Instagram folks, speak up. If you guys have played with a spirit slash Ouija board, uh, let us know. Personally, uh, you guys who watch me know I believe in the paranormal, never had an experience, don't want an experience to believe in it. I'm not naive to believe that we know everything and that everything in this universe is everything that we can see with our bare eyes. Lisa says, used to do the Ouija board and seances with my cousin in our grandparents' room. Uh, That's one thing I've told my kids. Don't ever touch a Ouija board. You know, don't. Just don't. Tarot cards, Ouija boards. I just, I don't want to mess with that shit. Uh, CC Wheezy writes, uh, nope, can't do mess around. You open the door, then you can't close it. That's how I feel. So let's watch this Watch Mojo video on five of the creepiest um, 
things, I guess is a good way to call it, that we have seen Ouija boards used in horror movies. So let's go ahead and check this out. Okay, guys, which one of you is moving it? Circle the board. One's for each of us. Welcome to Watch Mojo's Top 5 Facts. In this installment, we'll be looking at the top five haunting facts about Ouija boards. Before we begin, we publish new videos every day, so be sure to subscribe for more great content. The Ouija board has a long and fascinating history, which may or may not be tied in with some seriously devilish leanings. So let's not waste any time in consulting those spirits to uncover some cold, hard facts. You put your hand on the piece with somebody and then you try and get spirits to move it to the letters. Come on, we should play it. Number five, Ouija turned a corner with The Exorcist. Hey, where'd this come from? The reputation of the Ouija board has always been shrouded in superstition, with many in the members of religious faith decrying its supposed power, to the scientific community's claim that all of Ouija's imagined intelligence was a fraud. You're a phony! One thing's for sure, however, the release of The Exorcist in 1973 forever shifted any perception of Ouija boards as a harmless toy among the commercial public. You really don't want me to play, huh? No, I do. Captain Howdy said no. The film caused panic and concern in theater screenings, and the entire plot is kicked off by the young Reagan McNeil communicating with the spirit known as Captain Howdy with her Ouija board, which leads to her being tormented and possessed. Hey, mother, sit here with this cash. Would you like to leave a message? If filmmakers still had Captain any doubts Howdy as to the cinematic the impact of using a Ouija board in their movie, then the exorcist managed to turn that corner with a vengeance. The power of Christ compels you! That the power of Christ compels you! Number 4. Ouija was once utilized in a court case. It may seem incredible to believe that a jury might consult a Ouija board to influence their decision, but this was exactly what happened in England back in 1994. Following Stephen Young's conviction to life in prison for a double murder, a retrial was ordered after it was revealed that the jury used a Ouija board while in their hotel room in order to assist with their deliberation. And how long? No, no, don't, don't do that. That's really not a good question. The Ouija board may not have been all that helpful, however, as Young was again found guilty during the second trial. This wasn't the only time the board reared its head in the judicial system either. In Oklahoma, a woman named Carol Sue Elvaker blamed a Ouija board for influencing a fatal stabbing in 2001, while a British man by the name of Paul Carroll drowned his dog in 2015 after a Ouija board told him the animal was possessed by the devil. Poor dog. Number 3. The board apparently named itself. Is there something you want to tell us? The practice of spiritualism and communicating with the dead was nothing new prior to the commercialization of the Ouija board back in 1890. Variations on the talking spirit board date all the way back to the Victorian era. But it was businessman Elijah Bond who was partly responsible for getting what we know as the modern Ouija board into the family home. Bond was one of the first to invest in the product, and declared proof of its power when he revealed a spooky story of using the board. The group he was with asked the board its name, and it dutifully spelled out the word Ouija. Hey, where'd you get that name from? I gave it to myself, actually. The group also asked what the name actually meant, but the ever cagey board replied only, good luck. Spooky. Alcoholics Anonymous co-founder Bill Wilson was a noted fan of the supernatural, and claimed that he used his Ouija board to communicate with a monk who then assisted in the development of AA's 12-step program for alcoholism recovery. Number two, there's a name for how Ouija works. Sarah, cut it out. I'm not pushing it. Have you ever wondered how to tell whether someone is purposefully moving their hands on a Ouija board? 
Well, there's actually a name for how Ouija works, and it's called the idea motor effect. We're simply telling ourselves what we want to believe. This refers to the subconscious moving of the Ouija planchette and subtle shifts of the disc that can be chalked up to either plain old curiosity or a secret hidden desire for answers. Come on, you guys, who's doing that? These subconscious desires then stimulate reflexes, often without the person even being aware. Well, Researchers from the University of British Columbia conducted studies in both 2012 and 2014. Subjects in the experiment were blindfolded and told they were using a Ouija with another person, who then quickly took their hands off the board. Hey, this is freaking me out. The results found that there was a marked increase in correct answers with the board, surmising that there may be a, quote, second intelligence within the subconscious. An intelligence with which Ouija might assist in bringing out obscure facts and information. Number 1. Ouija gained its patent through psychic means. Still not convinced that Ouija boards possess some scary powers? It turns out that the Washington Patent Office wasn't either, and officials were reluctant to land a patent license to Elijah Bond during his visit. What a crock of shit. Who is that? This was until the board was used in front of the office's chief patent officer by Bond and Helen Peters, who claimed to be a medium. Who are we, who are we talking to? Just give me a name. Neither Bond nor Peters claimed to know this officer's name, yet Ouija guessed correctly when the officer asked for a demonstration of how the board worked. Although accusations would fly as to who was officially responsible for inventing Ouija, a vicious war of words ensued between Charles Kennard and the estate of his former co-worker E.C. Reich, both of whom lay claim to the original idea. Its iconic reputation as something which may or may not be an innocent party game is secure. There's a few rules first. Do you agree with our picks? Check out these other great clips from WatchMojo well, and subscribe for new videos every day. What do you guys think about that? There was some stuff in there that I never knew. Like I said, I'm going to say it again. Personally, I don't care about patents, how it was created. The term Ouija is the name of the game. I have no idea. Uh, I'm sure you can go to Amazon.com and buy a Ouija board under the name Ouija board. The game is still exists and it's still patented and that name is patented. Obviously, they don't have problems with movies taking on the title of the name as that 2014 movie, Ouija, 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 whatever, whichever way you want to call it. Uh, how many of you guys have seen that 2014 movie? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it's just my kind of movie. Grave Encounters, uh, which follows a paranormal investigative team. Uh, was also pretty good. Its sequel was also pretty good, which is what they showed in that uh, clip right there. My point is there have been countless movies done about Ouija boards, mainly not about them, but they are always the precursor after somebody goes around and starts digging for what may have started uh, an unexplainable chain of events. It almost always certainly goes back to a spirit board, a spirit board, a Ouija board, uh, countless, countless movies, so many that I cannot even begin to start uh, naming them all. Exorcist, being a movie from the late 70s, is a very famous one. That scene in the basement... Uh, that's a part of the movie that actually had a lot of scenes cut out from it. You can watch them 
on featurettes. If you have the DVD Blu-ray copy of The Exorcist, it's in the bonus episodes. Uh, there was a lot that was cut off. Going back to what I talked about earlier, uh, when we were doing the horror movies going on to TV shows, and they mentioned The Exorcist, uh the first season of the exorcist tv show you don't find out until halfway through the season and this is a really awesome moment because here i am i'm watching this exorcist tv show thinking that it just has the name the exorcist and it's not associated with the movie in any way shape or form but about halfway through the season you find out that uh the the main character is Reagan from the movie. I was blown away. I was I was actually excited. I remember that like it was yesterday. It wasn't that long ago. It was several years ago. Uh, it's still a fairly new show. I'm really sad that it only lasted two seasons. The second season was a completely different story, but it did follow the same two priests. Uh, Colette wants to know what channel. Well, it was on Fox. You can find it on a streaming service. Uh, I know it's out there. I don't know which streaming service uh, has it, but it is available whether it's on Shutter, uh, Amazon. Just go to justwatch.com and type in The Exorcist, the TV show, and it will tell you which streaming services have it. Anyway, guys, that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, this hour just flew by. Please uh, visit our website, deadtalklive.com. Also visit our news site, deadtalknews.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit any of our five social media platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow. And until then, stay safe. And always stay walking. Good night, everybody.